Hey everybody, welcome back to the Active Dads Podcast. As always, I am your host, Daniel, and this is the other host, not co-host, John. Uh, what's up? Good job. <clears throat> so anyways, uh, today we wanted to, we were actually kind of split on what topic to bring up today, and we kind of decided to move back towards the fitness aspect of things. So we wanted to talk about training intensity. So this can, you know, obviously encompass a lot of things. And it kind of pushes back towards some other things we've covered on the podcast before. But anytime we talk about training intensity, intensity is always going to be a kind of a personal thing. Like, I don't really know how to say that. You know, like you'll talk to some people and they'll talk about how hard they go in the gym oh, and all their intensity. And then you invite them to a workout and during the warm up, they're puking their guts out yeah. because from what they think is like a level nine intensity could be a level two or three to somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. There's like those people that are just intense people in general, but then they meet us people who are not intense people in general, unless we're, you know, working our craft and then we're like really intense yeah. and then they learn what intensity really is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I've had that a couple of times. Um, the hilarious part about my uh, stint in the gym is as a trainer, I've only had about four or five people puke during my first workout. Yeah. My first workout is literally nothing. I'm testing your joints out and kind of seeing how your endurance is going. So, like, if you look at it on paper, it looks like nothing. Yeah. But the four or five people that have just lost it, um, four of them, at least four in the bathroom, and I think one more outside in the bushes, was all younger guys. Oh, yeah. Like, none of my older ladies, none of my soccer moms, none of that stuff. The 18 to 21-year-old guys that go hard in the gym and just oh, want to yeah. learn some new stuff, those are the ones who are, end up puking their guts yeah. out. Oh, yeah. And it's hilarious because you make them do something outside of their comfort zone and they're just tore up with it. You know, these yep. kids could probably curl 100 pounds for a set of 12, but whenever you make them do a burpee and some jumping jacks, they're losing it. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, but you got that, that whole endurance thing, man, it's for wussies. You know, uh, it depends. I mean, I've never seen anybody like puke from running, but whenever yeah. you start mixing in Metcon, then it never, gets, I've, I can not from running. I can definitely tell you some people I've seen puke from running. Really? Oh yeah. That's, I could see like yeah. sprints or something or oh, like being on a bike. Not even but, sprints. I'm just talking, you know, moderate pace, longer distance. Goodness, man. I figured their legs would burn out before they actually got to where they puking. Unless they messed up their diet. It's a little bit of both. And then that yeah. whole just, once it's over, that whole, bleh, oh, God. <laughs> I just can't believe I just did that kind just of thing. Just purging. Oh, God. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've seen that quite often. I don't know that I've actually done it. I'm trying mm -hmm. to think back. I don't think so. There was this one time I almost did afterwards. And it was just, I don't know what the deal was. but Yeah, I've never had that issue. It's always wanted to come out the other end for me yeah. whenever I'm running it upsets my stomach don't get me wrong but I've never felt the need to puke but yeah so whenever we talk about intensity really what you're talking about is your um, rate of perceived exertion you'll see RPEs on everything mm -hmm. and that's kind of how like how hard you think you're going right so you've got a couple different things that you can look at obviously you can look at heart rate whenever you're lifting your heart rate's going to skyrocket if you're going for like a real heavy set yeah. of, you know, six to 10, whatever your rep range is, as long as you're going for a heavy set of that, then you're going to see a spike in heart rate. Same thing with running. You know, yep. you've got what three zones yeah. that y'all typically use whenever you're mm -hmm. running. So you can measure by that. Um, weight is always a terrible indicator of it because maybe you're just strong. Oh yeah. You know? So like with me, if I'm benching 225 for a set of six, that's not going to be very intense, but you put me at like, or you put somebody else at 225 for a set of six, it's going to be absolutely terrible for them. They're going to yeah. be grinding their ass off, may not get it. Yeah, and a lot of, and it also depends on, you know, the diet factor, you know, are you a, are you a fat burner, are you a glucose burner, you know, um, are you fat adapted? You know, if you're doing the keto thing and fat adapted, you know, you tend to do better in those, you know, zone one, zone two. Mm you know, and have, you know, crazy results, but your heart rate's not through the roof either. Um, yeah, so you can definitely drop your intensity that way. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah, so um, 
on the training aspect of side or training aspect of it, the things that I normally look for, I've got like what I call four intensity indicators that I always look at. And that's just my way of, instead of like, how you feeling? You okay? Like on a scale of one to 10, what's your RPE? Like trying to break all that stuff down. I've just devised a way to where I can look at a client and kind of see how they're going. You know, Uh whenever you're doing a run or a jog, you always do the talk test. Mm -hmm. You know, like you see if they can complete sentences or if they start getting out of breath in between words, you know, they're going pretty hard. Whenever you're lifting, you always get that. And I don't want to bug my clients during a lift. So like the first one is always just like their breath. You know, if I can tell they're out of breath, I know they're going hard. It's similar to the talk test. Yeah. The other one is literally just looking at their face, man. When somebody's like grinding it out, they're going to make facial expressions. Oh, I've yeah. met like maybe one or two people who are working their ass off and you can't tell it in their face. Yep. You know? <laughs> and that's, you get those ones that forget to breathe too when they're, when they're. Yeah. So if their face turns purple, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's like... one of them. <laughs> yeah. I've seen people turn as purple as my cup. I'm yeah. like, you got to breathe, man. Drop the weight. Yep. <laughs> Take yep. a deep breath. Yeah, so you got that. Um, as always, you've got the technical aspects of it. So one of them is going to be a breakdown in form. Mm-hmm. You know, people start going too hard, their form is going to break down. Oh, know? absolutely. Especially people who aren't trainers or professional athletes don't yeah. know how to fail like a professional. So it turns into getting solid reps, or it goes from getting solid reps to just getting the weight up by yep. any means necessary. So you're going to see a form breakdown. And the last one is actually lifting speed. Mm-hmm. So, you know, once if you're going for a, an actual heavy set of 10, you start hitting seven or eight, the lift starts slowing down. Absolutely. So, those are the four big indicators that I, not only I use, but I teach other trainers to look for whenever you're like with a client. That way, you don't have to bug them. You can literally watch their body language and see what's going on with them. Right. You know, if somebody's going for, you know, we'll stay with bench press since we already use that analogy. Somebody's going for a lift on bench press, and I say, you know, let's knock out, you know, 8 to 12. I always give a rep range. That way it ain't like, okay, go to 10. Then they go to 10. I'm like, okay, well, how'd that feel? You know, if I tell them 8 to 12, they hit 12 solid. I'm like, cool, we'll throw some plates on there. We'll see if we can push you down to 8. That way I can keep them pushing the intensity but not worrying so much about the reps because they know they've got a little bit of a range in there. So anytime I do that, you know, they knock out 12, still look fine. You know, like they're not breathing hard. I don't see the lift slow down. I'm like, okay, I'll throw on a little bit extra than I would. Then if, say, they got to 10 and then I see the lift start slowing down, they start kind of gritting their back teeth. I'm like, all right, we're we're about where we need to be. Maybe throw a couple fives on each side, go from there. So it's kind of, it's cool to be on like this side of the lift as well. You know, like Uh I've been lifting for 14 years. I know where my intensity is. I know if I'm going for a set of eight, then number six should suck. Seven, eight should be terrible. Yeah. So right. I know that. But whenever you're working with a new client that doesn't know how to work with tension, like they don't understand how to build up that internal pressure yeah. to help grind that weight out. Yep. You have to like kind of build that skill inside them. And yeah. it's, that's always pretty cool to watch whenever somebody comes in here and you see them like on the bench press, they'll start throwing a tantrum. Their feet will start kicking. They'll start, ha, ha, ha. Then they go from like uh, doing, or then they go from throwing a tantrum to feet planted, core engaged, driving through the pecs and shoulders. Yep. So you literally watch the skill develop in front of you. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's 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 one of those things where it's so hard to replicate by yourself. Sometimes you mm-hmm. know, not having a trainer because it's so much. It's so easier to go. Okay, I'm a failure. Yeah, I'm done. I'm not going that. I'm not going. I'm not going to get into the pain cave today. You know, heck with that. I'll stop at nine when you really could have got 12. Mm-hmm. But nine was more comfortable. Yeah. So there's merit to that as well. For me, you know, I hit, I go to failure maybe once a month, yeah. honestly. Normally, my um, lifting is done between like the 70 and 85, 90 percent range because i always like i'm a huge fan of pavel so pavel was always talking about leaving a couple reps in the tank yeah you know because you got other stuff to do especially mm-hmm. if i'm doing jujitsu that's why i moved my leg days to thursdays well i don't want to see my leg days my leg focus days i do legs about every day but my heavy deadlifts heavy back squats 
you know, Bulgarian split squats, all that crazy stuff. I save till Thursdays. That way, if I'm doing jujitsu, I'm not yeah. like lacking in my training because my legs yeah. can't keep up with what I want to do. Oh yeah, I mean, and that's and I guess in, in the endurance end of things, and especially when I raced bikes, um, you know, we always looked at um, intensity. Uh, we always compared that to a book of matches. You know, there's only so many matches, and once you burn through those matches, you're done. And I mean, that's literally, you know, when you're, when you're in a, a peloton and a pace line and, you know, it's attack after attack going off the front and, and your whole goal was to bring it real in the attack, bring your, bring your guy, your, your guys up to the front get your sprinters in place, um, get your, uh, you know, endurance guys in the right positions. Um, you know, you gotta, you've got to figure out how many matches you have. It's just like figuring out what failure is in the gym you've got to figure out is your matchbook a you know 16 matchbook or is it an eight matchbook you know and and everybody's different um me personally you know a lot of those a lot of the guys that i raced with and i mean and there's there's a lot of us and a lot of them but a lot of those guys are high heart rate um fast leg spinners um lance armstrong was a you know spinner always high cadence you know for me, that doesn't really work. I'm I'm a power guy. I like to mash a big gear, but I can do it for long periods of time and recover fairly well. But I can't stand the spinning because once I start spinning, it gets my heart rate all jacked up. My breathing gets off. I just and I never could really do it. But pound mashing a big gear, I could always do, which kind of threw off the spin guys because I was putting power out. Um, but that goes back to you know if I'm if I'm running power the chances the likelihood of me being you know my matchbook's going to be probably half of what those spinner guys is um so that's how we always looked at it in the in the bike world um you know that's how we gauged our intensity you know what we had what we had in the tank what we had to spin um you kind of got to think you know you're thinking ahead i've got 14 more miles of this how you know how do i need to you know what's the best way to spend it how do i need to spend it um those type things and it's very similar in the ultra in the ultra running you know world too because you're constantly looking at okay i've got 17 more miles of this to go you know where can i you know where can i make up some time what do i need to what's coming up ahead do i have three miles of climb of just brutal climbing coming up or do i have um some just easy moderate downhill you know those kind of things um as far as intensity as it relates to the endurance world, that's kind of how I've always looked at things. Um, so you're talking about, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but the way I'm understanding this is the guys you call, like, your spinners are, like, your 70%, 80% guys, and the power guys mm-hmm. are, like, your 40, 50 with short bursts of 90 to 100. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. So you got those guys who can keep that steady fast pace the entire yep. time then you got the guys who just cruise and then kick it in hard uh, when yeah. they need to okay yeah. and that's me i mean i i can so you like kind of you kind of pick your sprints for mm-hmm. when you need them yeah oh, okay yeah. yeah i mean that's the rest of the time you're just you know you're trying to just keep just maintain up. and keep yeah. up and not you know not burn out okay gotcha. um and then you know the, like the cyclocross world it's you know it's all or nothing you go at the when the gun goes off you're as hard as you can go the goal the goal there is to get that whole shot usually usually wherever you're at in the first lap you know or or the first the first group coming through on the first lap is you know those are the guys that are going to finish in your top whatever you know one through five one through ten whatever unless there's just somebody that's popped off and trying to make back up but that's just how that works there's such a gap from the get-go because you're going so hard so fast um so you don't really have like second half athletes no not there i mean it's by that point in time you're usually you're usually trying to keep from getting lapped by the fit by the you know the front of the field coming around okay um but yeah i mean that's and and but then the gym that's one of those one of the one of the reasons we train the way we do you know as far as like and there you know there's intense days there's you know strength days where you're just solely working on form strength and power then there's those metcon days where you're kicking in and just working on 
you know, those things plus bringing up the intensity levels. Um, and then there's, you know, uh, our weekly run schedule, like right now, there's, you know, I guess two moderate days, which we gauge by conversation, like you talked about earlier. Um, it's, it's a whole, you know, six to seven miles at conversation pace. You can carry on a conversation for seven miles. And then there's, you know, usually one really intense day, um, which is, you know, speed work and hill work. Um, and then your long run, you're going to get, you know, it's going to be moderate with some intensity thrown in there. Um, so how do you gauge, like, how do you gauge your long runs when you're doing elevation? So how do you gauge your intensity on that? Does it come from the muscle burn, talk test, combination of two? It's a combination or? for me. It's really, you know, I, I just started using a heart rate monitor. I used to use a heart rate monitor all the time, and then I just haven't. I've started to use a heart rate monitor again, which does help because um, it reminds me, you know, what zone I'm in. And, you know, if you actually go, if you actually do the zone test, figure out what your VO2 max is and figure mm-hmm. out what your – you know, your zone one, zone two, zone threes are, because a lot of times people just use the whole generic, I'm this old, I'm this age, but you really should do the... Oh, yeah, for your max heart rate. Yeah, and yeah, heart rate reserve. yeah, it's like, yeah. now mine's going to be way different than yours, and yours is going to be way different than mine, but there's a way you can figure that out. Um, and when I raced, of course, we, we they did that constantly. So um, where'd you do your VO2 max at? When I was uh, racing with uh, Motovelo, years ago yeah they would come in and do those we would do that we had the indoor compu trainers yeah we would hook up to those and do the whole testing Dude, phase and all that i'd love to get one of those and start running those oh, out yeah. of the gym here yeah because that's i probably ran 20 of those in one yeah. semester in college because we actually opened it up for a way to us to learn it the faculty and students yeah. could sign up and they could get it done for like 15 bucks yeah you know, I mean, it's a lot to run through, but you get so much information on that. We oh, do yeah. a RMR test mm-hmm. where you just like chill out on the table mm-hmm. and breathe for 15 minutes. Yep. And then we would do uh, the treadmill VO2 max and mm-hmm. the cycle VO2 yep. max, depending Man, on which one they want to do. do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That was, those were really cool processes. I, and I was like, I, I need to, you know, I'm, God, I'm 20 years older now. I definitely need to do it again because yeah. all that's changed. Um, but, you know, that's, that's kind of how I'm, I'm, I do things by, you know, the feel. Like, obviously, I, I know um, when I'm getting ready to just bonk. Um, I know that feeling. Some people don't know that feeling, but yeah, it's a it's, it's, a, it's definitely a fun one. But, you know, heart rate now, I'm paying more attention to, you know, lactic acid burn. Um, and then, of course, you know, the talk test. Like, I'm happy when I can, when I can run a – you know, an 8.30 pace, and that's not fast for most people, but an 8.30 pace can keep up a conversation, you know, it's good for me. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, that would be outstanding for me. I can't do that. Yeah, especially <laughs> when I'm not really yeah. conversation trying to win pace. races anymore. Yeah. Conversation yeah. pace, I'm probably high tens. <laughs> I ain't going to lie, I'm not a strong runner whatsoever. <clears throat> it kind of helps, though, for me anyway, because I, I tend to forget about, the intensity you know what i'm saying hmm. like it may fluctuate and go up or down but most of the time it goes up because there's a lot of times sean and i'll be like just sitting there carrying on whatever conversation or you know whatever it is we're just kind of lost in it and goes god almighty you know we're running a freaking you know 805 745 and you're like oh really well <laughs> let's not let's not worry about it let's just keep doing it because you know it's only gonna make you faster hmm. um but yeah that's kind of that's so, kind of how i look at it so there is a couple ways of kind of playing with your intensity. One of the big things I talk about is whenever you're doing a plank. Mm-hmm. Like if you're doing a plank, watching TV, listening to an audio book, mm-hmm. talking to somebody, taking your mind completely off of it, it doesn't really feel that intense. All right. But if you do a plank, say you do a, you know, let's say you can hold a one-minute plank comfortably. So if you're watching TV, you can probably hold a one one fifteen plank. Oh, yeah. But if you're holding a plank and you're focusing on the muscle activation of the abs and the muscle activation of the glutes, hamstrings, quads, shoulders, shoulder girdles, back, you start focusing on oh, all yeah. of that, it yeah. gets intense quick. You can start sweating and shaking in 45 seconds. That's why That's why I tend to do, when I'm here, when I finish my core stuff, I tend to get downstairs. Hey, those mats down there are just way more comfortable mm-hmm. um, to put together mat. Um but B, it's just, it's quiet and I can focus on what I'm doing. Yeah. 
which makes Strain it harder. the hell out of the muscles. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, <clears throat> so. yeah Pavel talks about um, what he calls the maximum effort plank, mm-hmm. and you actually do it on your elbows, which I'm not a big fan of planking from the elbows unless you have a wrist issue because you don't get like, that. No, like on your forearms. Oh, okay, go. So, you know, you got full extension on your hands, and then you can go like on your forearms. So, instead of FLR or front lean rest, you're going to do it. I've never understood why they call it a front leaning rest. Because if you're resting, you're not doing it properly. Right, (laughs) But But, yeah, so basically you get on uh, your forearms, not your elbows. And then you think about pulling your elbows together, Mm -hmm. and you think about pulling your feet together Mm -hmm. and squeezing your cores. You try to squeeze and contract every muscle in your body. And if you're doing it properly, you're going to start shaking within 8 to 10 seconds. And you're barely going to be able to complete, you know, 30 seconds. So it's going to be a very intense thing. That's why it causes a maximum effort plank. You're literally giving it 100% to where you're just squeezing everything. And those things are absolutely terrible, man. They will gas you in no time. Yeah, that's that's my when I when I plank and do those things, I tend to focus on that um, quite a bit. To where, I mean, like I say, I want to be shaking. I don't want to be dripping with sweat when I do core. Yeah, that's me. Why am I gonna hang out in a position for five minutes when I can do it a slightly yeah. different way and blast it out in thirty seconds? Right. That's just better efficiency to me. Yeah. <clears throat> but, um, so we got that part of intensity. So another thing is kind of tempering your intensity. So one of the big things that I learned back in college was anytime you start talking about intensity, you're also talking about work capacity. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? The harder you can go, the more you can do of that. Oh, yeah. So as you build your gas tank, whether it's endurance or whether it's work capacity or whatever, you can become more intense in your workouts. Mm-hmm. So one way to kind of stave that off is to take like a week, two weeks off of the gym and then come back at it. You know, oh, you're not yeah. going to lose a lot of strength no. over two weeks of being off, but you will lose that work capacity. Absolutely. So that's why it is extremely important for lifters, every lifter, I don't care what your age is, what your sport is, take a full week off, like once every six months or something. You don't have to do anything crazy and take a ton of time off. But whenever you take a week off, you come back not only rested, fully rested, fully recovered in most cases, but your work capacity's dropped maybe 10%. Yeah. So that same workout that you would have done before you took that time off is going to kick your ass a lot faster Mm -hmm. after that. So, I mean, if you can do two weeks off, you're going to lose a little bit of strength, but your work capacity is going to go down to where you don't have to knock out as much work to get that same type of stimulus. Yeah. Yeah. I know. And I generally, like, I used to not take any time off. Same. It was one of those things where, you know, trainer had to beat my head. You got to have rest days. You got to have rest days, recovery weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, and so now, I, every every few months, I'll take a, a solid week off. Yeah. Um, I mean, just because of all the wear and tear on everything, it's not like I'm getting younger. Um, or, you know, a solid weekend. Like uh, this weekend, we're going to go, we're going down to uh, Lexington to the to the lake house down there. We're going to spend Friday, Saturday, Sunday, come back Monday. Um, and I'm just going to take the whole weekend off. I mean, mm-hmm. I've been killing the miles, you know, the last couple months and yeah. just really amping the intensity um and doing a lot of back-to-back stuff like you know saturday was 14 miles yesterday was six and some change on trails and so you know um it's probably time to take a little bit of time to recover yeah but i did you know as far as lifting goes at, around at christmas i did take about a week of lifting off just because i wasn't coming into town um yeah, you know, I did some push-ups and stretching, core work and stuff like that, but I, there wasn't any intense heavy lifting um, other than, like, the old granddad bottle and Maker's Mark bottle. It's about <laughs> as heavy as the lifting got. Yeah. Um, so, for me, I usually take a week off every six months. I'll take a full week off not do anything. I try not to make those my vacation weeks just yeah. because, like, if I'm on vacation, I know that my yeah, diet's not going to be the best. Yeah. I'm going to be drinking heavily so i try not to take those weeks off you know we go to the beach we'll take a couple kettlebells the steel clubs yeah. steel mace or two have some toys to play with while we're down there but now i like taking it off while i'm working too oh yeah, i'm still being in the sure. gym you don't get that like itching feeling like i need to go to the gym oh yeah, yeah yeah so when I'm, but, when we're on vacation I, I definitely take stuff to run and trx straps stuff like that because i still i mean you know it's one of those things 
Mm. Got to do something. Yeah, just stay active. And plus, I mean, you're on vacation. What else are you going to do? You know? Exactly. It's hard to say I'm on vacation, but I can't squeeze in 30 minutes to get a good workout in. But it's you know? a lot cooler during the normal work week mm-hmm. to just work and go home and chill. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so I'll do that, like I said, usually once every six months. Um, as far as backing off the intensity, usually about maybe once every six to eight weeks, I'll do one week to where I'm just at 40%. Yeah. You know, I'm trying to push a little bit of recovery, more active recovery days than anything. Yeah. But I'm still doing the core lifts. You know, I'll go overhead presses instead of hitting my 80% intensity. I'll just cut the weight in half, mm-hmm. you know, go through the motions. Maybe I'll go lightweight, but I'll save maybe, you know, seven or eight reps in the tank. You know, I'll, I'll go to where I get the blood moving, but not to where I'm feeling any type of lactic acid build up or any type of, you know, burn yeah. or anything like that. I'm just going through the movements, keeping the joints healthy, getting some blood flowing, trying to push recovery a little bit. I'm yeah. a big fan of those days, man. I know a lot of people don't like it. And they say, you know, if you're in the gym, you're there to go hard, go heavy. That's perfectly fine for me. I'm going to do what I need to to protect my joints, make sure I still yeah. got something in the tank for jujitsu, making sure I'm kind of almost think of it as like skill building sets. You know, you Absolutely. break down the technique and I'm a huge fan of those, especially when it comes to Turkish get-ups or a yeah. lot of the functional movements. Just going through the motions, you know, making sure everything's crisp, make sure everything's nice and neat, and just pushing through, focusing on the technique itself. Yeah, I mean, I have a lot of like recovery runs or recovery rides and things like that mm-hmm. where it's just, I mean, I'm still work, I'm still doing work, but, you know, backed off the intensity. Because it's just one of those things, man, that you, you can't go hard all the time. Like, no, you can't. And you have to be, you have to realize, you know, depending on what you're doing, like, you know, in the running world for me, you know, there's going to be those times when I'm running hard, when I'm running fast, and there's times where I'm, you know, you know, moderately running. So you have to be, you have to be able to perform in those different, mm-hmm. those different areas, um, throughout whatever event it is you know um if, if you're one of those people that goes hard all the time well when you can't go hard are you being efficient are, are you being moderately efficient or are you just killing yourself because you want to go hard and that's all you know is how to go hard so you know yeah and that's one of the things too think about the guys who always go 100 percent. yeah those are going to be the same guys that are usually injured or their baby in a shoulder because they still yeah. want to go 100% on overhead presses whenever they really need to start protecting the joint, helping the cartilage regrow yeah. by just pushing through the movements. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, you know, that's talking to people like you know, running's become a big thing, you know, and ultra running's become a big thing now. There's so many groups out there, and, you know, they're constantly talking about, well, I've got a hundred miler coming up, so I need to run a couple hundred miles before I run a hundred miler. And I'm sitting there thinking, <laughs> why do you need to run a hundred miler before you run a hundred miler? Like, yeah. because if you run a hundred miler before you run the hundred miler, you've already ran the hundred miler, and your body's already going to be tanked anyway yeah. for the hundred miler. And you've got that four hundred miles extra on your body and just training. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, no, you just need to moderately build up the time. And a lot of times, you know, it's you know, it's not always mileage; it's time on your feet. Mm-hmm. Same thing with cycling; it's time in the saddle. That was, you know, Jeff Welch, one of my race partners and great friends and, and definitely somebody I, I look to as a cycling coach and um, and one of those one of those type folks. Um, I mean, he would always tell you, you know, time in the saddle is way more valuable than mileage. I mean, it's a lot easier to go, well, I need to go out and do 37 miles. So you get knocked 37 miles out and then you knock 37 miles out in two hours or you can get more out of two hours and 37 miles or you can get more out of five hours you know it's mm. and you're gonna get more time in the saddle more you know your endurance you're gonna build your endurance you know more endurance um you know those kind of things and that's i talk about i talk to sean about that a lot when we're talking about running um especially preparing for some of these you know higher 200 miles we have you know a lot of times yes mileage is important but it's also important to be able to keep moving forward for 24 hours because mm. um, you're not going to be running at the same intensity at mile 65 as you were at mile 10 or mile yeah. 15 unless you're just a running phenom mm-hmm. which they're out there but i'm not one of them so i need to be able to keep being efficient at mile 65 slower than i was at mile 10 mm. so well 
So think about coming out of the whole shot on a run too. You know, I told this story, I think once or twice already, whenever I was doing the black mile monster, I came out with the 10 K intensity for a 24 hour race. And I burned myself out, man. And that was within competition. That wasn't in training. Yeah. In training, you got time to recover. When you're in the middle of the competition, I had no time to recover. I had to keep going, you know? So it was terrible for me, but I can, Oh, good. Okay. I was going to say it also, it's a big thing that's going on in MMA right now, back in the, you know, late nineties, early two thousands, basically their training was sparring two or three days a week. Yeah. So not only were you getting ready for a fight in six weeks, but you were fighting two or three times every week for that six weeks. And, um, Robbie Lawler is one of the first people that talked about how he didn't really spar. They would do situational sparring and Mm -hmm. drills. He's like, well, I already know how to fight. Like, I don't need to constantly fight. And as much as I dislike Conor McGregor, he had one of the best quotes I'd ever heard. Yeah. (laughs) He had one of the best quotes about it. And he said that you just want to upgrade your software without damaging your hardware. And that's exactly how you should look at it, no matter what sport you're in. You know, how many NFL players you see getting blown out knees in training? Oh, yeah. Not even during the game. They're training too hard, and they're getting messed up to where it comes time for game time, and they're riding the bench. Yeah, I mean, and I follow a lot of athletes, you know, whether it's just because they're athletes and they like my stuff or like their stuff, whatever. But, I mean, I follow a lot of athletes, you know, they're they're coaches and trainers and all that stuff on top of being athletes. But then it's like – I watch some of the videos and stuff they're posting and it's like high intensity form. Not so good all the time. though. Mm. It's the same. Like Constantly. it's every single day, like multiple times a day. And I'm like, where's the, you know, where's the rest and recovery and, and those things. But then it's constantly, Oh, well I'm nursing an injury. So I'm out for two, two weeks or I'm nursing this. And I'm just like, okay, well, why did that happen? Why are you constantly <laughs> injured? And, you know, if you're constantly injured and doing that and you're telling these other people to do that, are they constantly injured too? Because that's kind of how I would see that happening, you know? Yeah. Well, that's one thing about it too. As a trainer, you have to look at every client individually. You know, I can't yeah. just share my workout with all my clients. Right. A lot of them will get injured. A lot of them will get overworked very quickly. Yeah. And that's not like a humble brag on my part, but this is my full-time job. Right. You know, I'm not spending 40 hours in an office. Yeah. Or I'm not spending 40 hours loading trucks. Yeah. You know, I can recover all that I need to because, A, I know the proper way to do it, and, B, I have the time to do it. Mm-hmm. So one thing that we were talking about while you were working out earlier is with CrossFit. All of the injuries that you see on that. I mean, yeah. like CrossFit, I, well, I was about to say I'm not going to sit here and diss CrossFit. I could do that for hours because I have a very strong belief against what they do. But if you just look at the actual injury rates and all the people that I know that, did, that have done CrossFit either have bad knees or bad shoulders. And that's not an overstatement. Every single person that I know that has done CrossFit has bad knees or bad shoulders. And it's because they are always competing. Yeah. Every day you walk into the board and they say, oh, this isn't comp. This is just training. Well, you've got a chalkboard over there with everybody else's times and yeah. weights. Whenever you see that stuff, you're automatically competing. Oh, so-and-so did this. I should probably start out that way. Oh, yeah. so-and-so did it in under 18 minutes. I should be able to beat that. You know, it's always going to be a competition. There's no training. There's no personalization. I've got a wad right here. This is what we're doing. Yeah, I've got, I mean, I have some friends that they're, and they're CrossFitters, but they're, I mean, they're not really competitors, I guess. They, they really just work. I mean, the stuff I see most of the time is them working on form. It's usually the same lift over and over and over again until they get it right. Um, And, but then, they're all, they also, you know, include a lot of recovery. They include a lot of, uh, they include a little more um, running or cycling and then a lot of yoga and stretching and things like that into their regime, you know, mm. re- regimen. And, and they seem to, you know, overall be pretty, pretty tough athletes. They're not ones that are always nursing hurts and yeah. pains and aches and all those good things. Um, but yeah, yeah, I know a lot on the other, the other end of that that jumped in there. I mean, I know some personally that <clears throat> were just looking for something new and showed, you know, went and next thing you know, you're all right, you're, you're deadlifting, 
you know, 135 and you got to get knocked out this many. They didn't even, you know, they didn't even know the first thing about deadlifting form Mm -hmm. to be deadlifting at speed, you know. As fast as you can in this amount of time. Next thing you know, they're coming in, they're like, my back is jacked. And I'm like, yeah, well, guess what? It's going to be forever now. Deadlift is not a cardio exercise. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So, or or even, or like crazy, or these speed squats and Mm -hmm. stuff where you're just bottoming out. And and I mean, too, like I say that as CrossFit as a whole. I will be the first to admit that there are some good crossfit affiliated gyms yeah. in the area but it isn't because of the crossfit certification yeah like we've got one over here i think it's called uh what is it catawba valley crossfit i think Maybe. give them a shout out if i got that name right i don't know but they also require all of their coaches to be olympic weightlifting certified yeah so they got the usa olympic weightlifting certification on top of crossfit so i'm perfectly cool with that if you're using crossfit as like a secondary certification yeah. Then cool, but CrossFit, the CF1 or whatever it's called, that is not a personal training certification. That does not mean that you are qualified to have somebody throw heavy weight over their head. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a, excuse me, it's a 16-hour course, man. Yeah. They give you a little booklet. You do eight hours classwork, eight hours in the gym, and you're CrossFit certified. Congratulations. Where's your $1,000? Wow. (laughs) Yeah. So, to me, if you're using a secondary, like, if you like some of the programming, if you enjoy the wads, all that stuff, have at it. But please, if you want to be a trainer, go through proper certification. Yeah. Learn some kinesiology, learn physiology, learn how to work around injuries. Because yeah. in America, he'd tell you, a lot of people are overweight. A lot of people already have bad knees and tight hamstrings. Yeah. So maybe learn how to work with those populations before you start teaching them how to barbell snatch into a deep squat. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I wouldn't, you know, I would as much as i would like to train more that's all the stuff that i need to really tighten up on before i would ever do that yeah. you know i, I mean, mean that's most you have to think athletes. about it yeah, I yeah. Mean, so like, for me you know, you know i've told a lot of people this whenever i give them my spill on training athletes but i have rarely started working with an athlete to where i increased their workload yeah most athletes i'm taking stuff out i'm like wait what is what is all this where's your recovery days like recovery days what's that you know like i take two rest days a week like yeah but there's no active recovery you're redlining five days a week and hoping two days a week's gonna make up for it yeah doesn't work that way and what are you really doing on those other two days (laughs) sitting on your ass drinking a protein shake and watching tv (laughs) oh yeah or yeah (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. that is not recovery but once i start moving in some mobility exercises and another good thing about mobility exercises and stretching is that it gives them another reason to come to the gym. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times it's just being inside the walls. For me, it's a huge psychological thing. This is where I drain my stress. You know, oh, this yeah. is where I forget about the world. So if I can come in here on another day and just do some stretching and mobility, get my heart rate up, get a little sweat broke, body temperature up, mentally, that is awesome for me. That's what I need. Oh, yeah. You know? And I yes. do a lot of that at home as well, just because I have the equipment at home to do it with. But still, it's just something about coming into the gym, being away from everything at home. You know, I'm not like, oh, well, I can knock out some dishes in between my rest break or, oh, yeah, I forgot to throw a load of laundry in there. No, you're at the gym. That's all you can do is be at the gym. Yeah. I, so. Yeah. That's that's a biggie for me. Like, I've got stuff at home, but once, once I'm in home mood, I'm kind of in home mood. And yeah. It's really hard to get out of home mood. Um, I mean, we do, I mean, we, we go for jogs and, and stuff like that. Um, you know, take the dog for a run down the mountain, back up the mountain, um, stuff like that. But it's yeah. just really hard to be like, okay, I'm going to go do, you know, yeah. whatever workout, workout and, yeah. and, and actually be able to pay attention to doing the workout. Mm. Yeah. And like we talked about, you know, whenever COVID hit and the stay at home order got issued, one of the big things I did was set the gym up out in my garage yeah. to where like you kind of had to get out of the house itself yeah. to get the work done. So that helped me out a little bit. But, you know, with me, I've been doing it so long, I feel like crap if I don't lift. I don't know what that was. But I feel like crap if I don't lift. So it was pretty easy to kind of get in the mindset yeah. of doing that. You know, And right. with me, too, I'm a huge fan that you should also look the part. So it isn't that I'm just lifting for my own benefit. I'm lifting because as a personal trainer, I am my product. 
I should have yeah, looked sure. like I work out, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. One of my biggest pet peeves is seeing personal trainers that look like they need a personal trainer. Right. I'm not saying you got to be the fittest person in the gym, but you should at least look like you work out and eat a salad occasionally. Right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's not do as I say. Not as I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No. Just... no, you got to walk the walk and talk the talk if you want to be respected as a trainer. But I would think, you know, like for me, obviously, I'm going to, if I'm if I'm on the market, I'm going to be looking for somebody that has similar, um, you know, similar likes, similar interests. Um, mm. You know, um, somebody that's got an interest in endurance, whether it's in the running end of the end of the industry or the cycling end of the end, end of the industry. Um, you know, yeah. I mean, well, you definitely want that, and that's one of the things that I try to do whenever I take on a new client. Is right now my schedule is pretty full, so whenever I look to take on a new client, I want to make sure that they're going to be a good fit. Yeah, I want to make sure it isn't going to be somebody who just drains my energy. You know, if they come in here and I talk to them, they're like, "Yeah, I played baseball back in high school, or I played football, or something like that." I'm like, "Hey, have you met Ryan?" Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> I think you and him would hit it off great. It's like as much as so, I would love to hang out with Lou Ferrigno, I just don't think that Lou Ferrigno would be the great trainer for me. Yeah, I mean it's just two two two, two different ends of the spectrum yeah. you know yeah i can definitely um, see that like it'd be great like, hey man <laughs> excuse me can you do the hulk for me but yeah that'd be about the gist <laughs> yeah. of it you know yeah that's it but I'm, that's gonna be everything you know um one of the conversations that we got into and one that my instructor kind of like hit me on back in college was we got onto the kind of the lines of that you know and it wasn't trying to like shame anybody for not being where they want to be yeah or anything like that but we got into it you know and he was like look you like you're your own product you know it's kind of hard to sell somebody on fat loss if you're overweight yeah that's just how it is the human body is designed to like kind of speculate what your past was as soon as somebody meets you you know oh, i mean yeah. they're going to judge you by how you look that's the first interaction you have with somebody is you see them i mean my first thought is going to be so if you're telling me to do this why isn't it working for you if it's not working for you how's it going to work for me exactly I that's mean, the biggest part of it is you're selling a product and people are going to look at the product and think it's not worth the price like I, i'll go there's so what is that oh crap it's one of those powder companies. No, I got no clue. Herba, Herba, not Herbalife. Oh, Herbalife, yeah, it's one of them. So, you got like, that and you got like the like, Arbon? Yeah, it might be. I don't Something. know. Okay. But anyway, there's this, this this group of people on Instagram and they mm. they hit me up a couple of years ago or whatever and I don't, I don't ever communicate back and forth with them. I just kind of have to laugh sometimes because they're like, they pretty much live off of these powders yeah. and no real food, <laughs> not a shakes. whole lot of real food and the food they do cook. It's just like, ugh, you know, yeah. but they've, but you know, they've basically, I guess basically they quit their, their jobs to sell the stuff. And cause they apparently are selling the crap out of it and making yeah, enough man. money where they don't have to work their regular jobs. It's pyramid schemes, man. But then I'm just, yeah. And I'm, I'm watching these videos and of course they'll post like just, constantly posting videos and workout videos and the workout videos are i mean they are like a comedy at best because it's just really bad just everything's really bad mm -hmm. like the movements are bad it's just yeah you know, they like, do oh, that quarter squat quarter but squat you're doing like 50 of them as fast like, as you can yeah they're doing back squats the other day and and completely just bent over and i mean it made my back hurt like really bad yeah. and they were doing some like once they get to the top they would like thrust their Oh you know, god! Like hump the air, yeah, you know? And I was like, "Oh my god!" Like, but these people are making enough money to where they don't have to work regular jobs. Yeah. And then they're selling this crap, like. Well, so they could be, and they could just be showing that as an image. Yeah. I so guess that's so. one of the biggest things that kills me in the fitness industry, especially when it comes to marketing, is what they call the illusion of success. Yeah. So basically, you pretend to be successful. Yeah. until you convince enough people to pay you to where you are successful. Yeah, yeah. I mean. <laughs> and it's terrible, but you see it all the time in the fitness. Like, how many trainers do you know that have, like, a handful of clients and drive Lexus or Mercedes? Yeah, yeah. You know, they lease them and they, like, pinch pennies to where oh, yeah. they actually pay for them, but they get to drive it to the gym, and people see that. And they're like, wow, they must be a really good trainer. Yeah. 
No, they're just really broke. Yeah. They're trying to get clients through looking the part. Yeah. And I mean, that's, you know, whenever like, I'm, I'm writing the uh, personal training book right now, and that's one of the things I talk about is controlling your financial situation. Yeah. You don't have to have the cleanest, freshest everything yeah. to get clients to want to work with you. You know, I've got shirts I've been wearing for the past six years because oh, yeah. the shirts are still in good shape. So. Yeah, the crotches out of my favorite workout shorts, but I still wear them because I like man. them. AC, baby. Yeah. <laughs> then you accidentally notice that your compression shorts also have the crotch out of them that you didn't realize, and you're like, oh, wow, that's a lot of skin. Did you not notice that? Not till I did kettlebell swings. <laughs> not till not till I saw that person glance and get big eyes, and I'm like, ooh. But, yeah, I mean, you know, it's like I have nothing against, like, those companies per se like I, i've know, got a lot against them because they sell fake promises especially like shakeology yeah all of their health shakes they have like 50 grams of sugar per shake oh yeah like i mean it's just ter- yeah, it's terrible supplements that, but they try to market it to where it's the best stuff out there that's and that was the thing with that that, that couple or whatever because it was con they i mean they still advertise like i lost so much weight but they literally have been advertising they lost 40 pounds for the last five and a half years yeah. So I'm like, yeah, but that was five years ago. What have you all since then? Mm-hmm. And but they'll post these pictures, and I'm like, but I can see like, dude, you're still like forty percent body fat. Like, yeah. well, that's the know. big thing about it is they've got smaller, but they still have the same body composition. Yeah. You know, it's just on a smaller scale. They didn't like get rounded shoulders right. and bigger thighs. Yeah. You know, I mean, they just got overall smaller. They didn't build any muscle yeah. mass with that. And I watch workouts, and I'm just like. Mm. It's, that's why it's like it's borderline like we want to be intense but you're like that's whoa yeah, yeah. Hmm. i don't want to make fun of anybody but do what makes I you happy either, man my big but. thing is i'm just i'm done with shysters in the fitness community yeah i really am like sometimes i see some posts where i'm just ashamed to be in the fitness community to be honest with you there's a couple of times i was like screw it i'm done with this yeah i got it <laughs> i just want to get away from it there was another one of those that was big a few years back that was like around here like crazy i don't remember what it was called but i'm sure it'll pop up in my facebook memories because i don't know how many arguments i got into with people trying mm. to push that garbage and it was like oh i'm da-da-da-da. and like they would try to get my wife hooked on that crap i'm like you know what eat a salad you know <laughs> have a chicken breast eat some eggs like well my favorite part is whenever you buy those supplements and they used to say it, i don't know if they do now but they used to and you go to gnc and buy you know lipo six or whatever oh, really fat burn. Six, yeah. yeah whatever fat burn you want to you flip it around and it says to be used with a healthy yeah. diet yeah. and regular exercise routine oh, yeah. i'm like well if i can control my diet and work out regularly why do i need your pill yeah. like, what is that going to help me with yeah you know is that just the icing on the cake or well, what if i just trained a little bit harder and ate a little bit cleaner would that not save me 50 dollars a month 50 dollars a month and some weird rash yeah, no, and like lowered kidney function, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> damaged liver, all kind of other stuff. Those thermogenics cause. But that's you know, and that's one of the things. Like, as you know, even thinking about or talking about intensity, I don't, I don't use any supplements anymore, and I don't. You know, it goes back to like even like I know you guys use pre workouts, and that that works for you. But for mm-hmm. me, like, I can go just as intense without it than you know if i even used it so yeah there's so many people like talking about intensity when you look on some of the the groups the first that i just started working out i'm just starting out this week on my new program and the first question they ask are what's the best pre-workout and you're like why don't you just work out mm-hmm. and then figure it out from there maybe you don't need a pre-workout maybe you can go in there and it's go not about need yeah like i don't need a pre-workout either so i don't use pre-workout on my uh, mobility days and like my stretching, if I'm going for a run, I'll hit pre workout. Dude, I just love caffeine, man. I'm yeah. a stimulant junkie. I like love I can caffeine get and coffee, but that's bad. Yeah, like no. I can drink a cup of coffee before I come to the gym. No, I'm I want good. I want my optimal nutrition or my uh, what's the name? Demon of it? Juice. It's Animal Fury. No, um, Universal Nutrition Animal Fury with 350 milligrams of caffeine and some niacin. Dude, I love that feeling, man. You I just can't like stand it. I'm excited before I even start lifting. You know? See, I'm like that when I walk in after a cup of coffee, so I'm good. No, I drink a pot of coffee every morning, man. Coffee don't touch me. <laughs> yeah, I can't. Well, see, that's the thing. Like that, 
that there and there is that that thing i don't i don't know that caffeine actually stimulates me at all anyway because i drink a pot before i go to bed and sleep better yeah and well, if so, i didn't drink a pot of coffee so i guess it has some effect but mm. um but not for me i'm actually trying to back off my caffeine consumption i've had three cups of coffee this morning and then i had half a scoop of pre-workout because like with you know, some stuff's going on in personal life as far as selling the house and the stress and my overall anxiety in general. Yeah. I think caffeine is just getting me too hyped up with all the extra emotional and personal stress yeah. going on. So I'm trying to back off to see if I can get to work. My heart rate's been elevated for the past two weeks now. Yeah. I'm not a big fan. Of it. It's still not high. I mean, it's still low by clinical standards, but it's not as low as it normally is. Yeah. So that tells me I'm being overworked. I don't mind. Saturday's run, my heart rate was a little off. So, but but I had a pretty tough training week last week and mm-hmm. a tough work week. So, um, I kind of, I kind of figured it'd be a little off, yeah. and it was. Yes, I figured I would drop my caffeine consumption and go back to forty percent intensity for the next two weeks. See if I can yeah. get my heart rate back down, get my recovery up. So again, that's another reason why you don't always have to go hard. You know, oh, yeah. anytime you're dealing with emotional stress, personal stress, that's still stress. Yep. Yeah, it doesn't have to be stress on the muscle body itself. You yeah. Know? Oh, so yeah. all that stuff's going to affect your recovery, and it's just learning how to play with it. You know, some people, if you're not doing jujitsu or you don't have a sport, you're just a recreational lifter, mm-hmm. then you can go 90 percent most of the time. But you still want to back off and protect your joints. Try to focus more on your stretching on your mobility make sure everything's okay you know yeah. if you want to lift as hard as you can like push it to 95 100 every now and then it's perfectly fine if you want to do it once per workout that's fine but if you're going to failure every single time your joints are going to failure too every oh, boy, single yeah. time yeah so yeah i mean it all just depends on what your goals are and you know kind of where you want to be me personally i'm always looking towards longevity longevity and powerlifting don't go too well together (laughs) no i'm definitely like on that um well i shouldn't say powerlifting there are plenty of programs out there that work in recovery days like uh you know west side barbell they're real big on recovery but i'm talking about like your average gym bros powerlifters where they just max out every single day stuff like that i do need to give the true powerlifters credit yeah i mean i'm i'm kind of at that that area now where i'm trying to you know knock off some bucket list stuff and then it'll be kind of once i do that it's going to be kind of taper down to man i'm already in kind of longevity mode but i definitely want to taper off after i knock out some bucket list stuff and just kind of maintain when you do a podcast on just longevity yeah talk about the blue zones and the five aspects of living longer and stuff yeah that'll be one of our future podcasts and i mean i'm looking at it as a whole like i'm looking at it as like diet nutrition Mm -hmm. the whole nine yards like what do i need what do i need what am i not getting enough of what i need to add into it is do i need to add in you know some some you know fruits and things like that that are gonna help with longevity and just overall health um, which I mean, I already look at that stuff, but I'm well, yeah, but a so more in depth look. Yeah, but a lot of people think that it's either longevity or athletic performance. Yeah, and that's not the case. They're not opposite sides no, no. of a coin. They're really not. You can do both, mm-hmm. but the big thing is, what are you doing in between training? Right. So, like I said, you can go as hard as you want to, as long as you can recover from that. Mm-hmm. So, there's nothing wrong with pushing to 100%. If whenever you're going relaxation mode and you're going mobility, you're doing 100% focus on that as well. Yeah. As long as you look at everything as to how it ties to everything else, then you're going to be able to do that. But yeah. with most people, if you have a manual labor job, I tell you, you can't go 100% in the gym work 40 hours of manual labor and still recover for going 100% in the gym next week. Oh, yeah. You just can't do it. Yeah. I mean, if you're working in construction or if you're loading trucks for a living or something like that, man, you have to focus that or you have to add that work into your focus of the overall picture. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So with, you know, you, you don't really do a lot of manual labor. You're more behind the desk and driving around, stuff like that, which there's nothing wrong with that by any means. But it's a little bit easier for you to recover than somebody who's on their feet for eight oh, hours. Yeah, a day. comparing it to where you know I was career-wise, you know, fifteen years ago, yeah. when it was you know hands and knees, you know, busting, busting back from 
you know, 6 a.m. Yeah, to, run a chainsaw, axe, yeah, splitter, sundown. all that I stuff. I mean, that, those were, I mean, you know, they were most, most of the time when I left work, I mean, I was ready to collapse then. But yeah. then I was still lifting. I was still trying to run. But I didn't have a whole lot of gas in the tank for those. No. And I wasn't nearly as dialed in and tuned in nutritionally then as I am now. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, that's a whole, uh, we, you know, that's a whole another discussion about you know dialing nutrition and those things for mm-hmm. recovery um yeah and there's a lot of things too so a lot of people um lee priest who was one of my favorite bodybuilders he was never really top of the heat but he was always one of the competitive guys and he said there's no such thing as over training it's yeah. just under recovering yeah. which i do believe is true but whenever you're looking at the average joe you can get overtrained whenever you're not a professional <clears throat> oh yeah for Excuse sure. me, professional athlete. So anytime we start looking over training, there's three questions that always come up. Are you horny, happy, and hungry? Yeah. Like, do you have a sex drive? <clears throat> are you emotionally, like, just happy, all around general happy, or are you just in a grumpy-ass mood for days on end? And are you hungry? Do you have an appetite? If any of those questions is a no, especially at your age or my age, then, okay, we need to kind of talk about things, see where things are, you know? If you have zero sex drive, you're just generally in a grumpy-ass mood, and you have zero appetite, then something's going wrong, going on with your hormones. Yeah. And usually that's linked to training too hard, yeah. going too intense for too long and not taking rest breaks. Yeah. I'm I'm pretty good. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like I mean, mine usually tapers between pretty good and I'm good. grumpy sometimes. Yeah. Well, a lot I'm of times. I'm just old guy, so I don't care. grumpy old fart anyway, <laughs> yeah. so get off yep. my lawn kid but yeah so i mean if you can like step back and take a kind of analytical look at your situation you know do you have sex drive okay your testosterone's up are you generally in a good happy mood okay well you don't have too high of cortisol levels or you just feel like crap you know yeah. and then are you hungry does your body need nourishment to start recovering All the if time. everything is yes then you're good to go man train hard have fun eat cupcakes you're terrible how'd you do on the weekly challenge i did it what was the weekly challenge 100 air squats every day nice surprised you have to remember that one what do you mean (laughs) i'm just saying i'm surprised i did every day except yesterday yesterday i was running chainsaw most of the day and also i just didn't feel like it so i had to clean up some uh yard stuff and burn some wood off so it's kind of weird like how many people drove by and blew the horn rods in the parking lot of the trailhead doing push-ups and air squats it's like it's a good plan you're setting a great example for the other runners i ain't blowing the horn i mean just doing some (laughs) squats and push-ups just finished running maybe it was a hole in my compression shorts might have been (laughs) (laughs) all right so what's this week's challenge hmm Mm-hmm. 100 push-ups every day sounds good i'll take it yeah good next i literally had nothing prepared so we'll go with 100 yeah. push-ups might as well i mean watch push-ups we'll yeah. just do different body parts sounds good to me next week will be one arm push-ups 100 mm-hmm. single each arm, arm pull-ups each arm yeah 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 and then handstand push-ups or to- we could do 100 toast bar those are fun and no kipping. Bar, no, yeah. yeah, no freaking kipping. <laughs> no kipping. Oh, no. We ain't turning this into a swinging competition. Uh, nope. <laughs> yep. All right, cool. So the weekly challenge would be 100 push-ups every day. Have at it. And you'll, see, you'll see a huge difference. Uh, 100 a day for a week. Yeah. Sucks, though, because I only do 50 a day now, but now I'll bump it up to 100. Ugh. Now it's got to be 100 extra. 100 extra yeah well i mean it's on top of your daily routine you can't that's just true. bump it up to 50 extra yeah. that's a whole goggin. slacker goggins man he got me into doing like every time i finished i run every time i forgot to drop and do push-ups i gotta share a post with you goggins shared it the other day if somebody wrote him oh that was great about, <laughs> Did the, you about read? the kid <laughs> yeah. that was hilarious <laughs> i won't repeat it on here because there was some harsh language but go check out goggins post from what's the day I think it was Saturday. Wasn't Today, it? the eleventh. Yeah. yeah, from the ninth. It was beautiful. In fact, I was I was sitting at the uh, Moose Cafe and did Asheville. I send it to you? No, no. I okay, was... I sent it to like five people. I couldn't remember if oh, I sent really? it to you, you or didn't not. Send it to me. Yeah. Wow, I can't believe that. Jeez, I'm not even on the top five <laughs> friends list. 
It's awesome. Yeah. I'm your co-host, but can't get on here. <laughs> thought you were the host. I thought the one no, co-host. I'm the, co- I'm the co-host. You're the host. Oh, cool. We'll go now I'm just dirt, but <laughs> can't even get on the top five cinder list. Yep. Okay. I'm hurt. So recap: intensity, not always a good thing. Not always, but usually a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. So Man. play with the intensity. Always remember recovery is more important than lifting. Don't be one of those guys who are like, oh, two scoops of pre-workout today. I only slept three hours yesterday. What are you doing? What was that? Happy. Happy, horny, and hungry. So, yeah, remember the three H's. The three H's, yep. That way you can tell if you're being overtrained. And it could just be overworked in general. Yeah. If you're working 80 hours a week at a job you hate, chances are one of those three is going to be messed up, if not all three. Yeah. So, yeah, that just means you need some recovery, need a little me time. Or a new job. Yeah, new job, get some whiskey, take and a some salt bath. There are a lot of help wanted signs out there. So I've seen a ton of them, but yeah. none of them have been like actual trade jobs. All the yeah. ones I've seen it's have been like retail. Too, yeah. Trade restaurants everybody's like, hmm. yeah, I definitely want to do restaurants. Ugh. Yeah, I couldn't work around food, man. Mm-hmm. I don't want it to ruin my appetite for restaurants. Mm-hmm. I've known some restaurant workers, and I'm like, dude, I'll never go out again. <laughs> so, <laughs> All you have to do is watch Waiting one time, and it kind of oh, makes a question. Right? <laughs> That's such a great movie. Is this for Monday cheese? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I got to get out of here. I got some work to do, some clients to train. I got a nap to take. Sounds like a beautiful plan today, man. Mm-hmm. This weather, gloomy. 26 degrees or excuse me 32 feels like 26 degrees it should be snowing right now yeah all right y'all thank you for listening as always leave us a five-star review even if you didn't like it help a brother out and we will talk to you next week bye we'll see you when we see you